man, oh man, how was that? Oh, Colin Morikawa, give me a slice of that. Uh, welcome back to the Golf Guide Podcast, everybody. I'm Kyle Serlo, and it is a pleasure to have you guys here. Uh, I'm going to be joined by my friend, the butcher boy himself, Joe Shasky. We're going to be talking all things 2020 PGA Championship, Colin Morikawa's victory, Harding Park. And uh, I don't want to really waste much of your time. I just want to get right to it. Before we go to Joe, I just want to let you guys know that today's podcast is presented to you by the Sea Winds Estate. Visit seawindsestate.com to look and just and book yourself what has to be the nicest vacation rental on all of the Oregon coast. You got a trip going to Bandon Dunes or anywhere else up there, check out seawindsestate.com and you know find yourself a real nice place to rest your head at night. All right, with that, let's get to the Butcher Boy here on the Golf Guide Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, normally we wait to do these things, you know, 24, 48 hours after a, uh, a championship is concluded to allow us to gather our thoughts, but uh, that is not going to be the case today. We just finished watching what I can only describe as one of the most exciting major championships that I've had the pleasure of viewing in the last couple of years, and I'm very excited to have none other than Joe Butcher Boy Shasky, my guy, back here, the native son of San Francisco, here to talk about what Joe has to be maybe the greatest moment in Harding Park history, and that's and that's saying something, man. That was an unbelievable sporting event, whether you are a diehard golfer like the two of us are, or you're just a casual sports fan. I mean, we're going through COVID-19, five months of being locked down. There's no fans at Harding Park. Uh, where would there be buzz? Would there be drama in the air? Well, all of those things happened. I mean, this was as good of any as any World Series, any Super Bowl, any NBA final, any college event you could think of for a major venue. I mean, look, I've seen things happen at, at Olympic. I've seen – and I went down to Pebble Beach. That was as good of a Sunday sporting event when it comes down to a major championship as any Sunday afternoon I've ever seen. There was so much drama everywhere on that back nine, that Merced Mile, as Cambiar's Brian Murphy starting to dub it. It, it was unbelievable. Like, they couldn't even go to commercial because you were missing someone falling off the leaderboard, someone moving up the leaderboard. At one point, we had seven guys tied at 10 under is unbelievable it, it was it was absolute chaos man and i i know that uh cbs i i know and a lot of people that i know and a lot of people that i follow in golf media tend to like to shit on cbs for not doing a great job of broadcasting i i thought they did a fine job this afternoon considering how many golfers they were trying to follow i mean can you imagine trying to get all the shots of seven different dudes tied for the lead at the same time that is an impossible mission and i feel like they did a pretty good job of keeping us keeping us in the loop on everything that was going on, and I, there was no shortage of unbelievable golf shots, man. I just uh, I, Harding Park, it may not be what a lot of people consider to be the best golf course in California, Northern California. And I'll tell you what, though, man, you, you'd be hard pressed to convince me that it's not the best tournament venue for the best players in the world because that back nine, especially with the way that Merced Mile and then that home stretch with the drivable sixteenth, par three seventeenth, and that heroic eighteenth hole, I mean. That, that was as good as I could have asked for. And honestly, I feel like we were treated to something way better than we deserved. 
Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, honest to God, there's so many different holes out there that you just know you cannot end up in certain spots. And when when Bryson started to hit his tee shot to the right, I said, "Uh oh, he's gonna be blocked <laughs> into the trees." And Tony Finau, his playing partner, ended up going into the trees, and boom, he's ejected from the coverage. But uh, Bryson was going for it. He was going for that green. And when Colin Morikawa hit a, a lower trajectory shot into that green, that was one of the most incredible shots we've ever seen. And then to follow it up sinking the eagle putt to give himself a two-shot buffer. I mean, that was incredible because, look, 17 is no joke, and 18 is no joke. Over oh. that wall, there's a lot of things that can happen. You can leave that set, that approach shot short and be chipping back up. You can go long and have a short grass side chip shot into that little tuck pin closest to the to Lake Merced on that side. It's uh, honest to God, I, and I mean this sincerely. Look, Cal Club. Lake Merced, San Francisco Golf Club. Uh, I, I will throw all of those courses in the mix. There's no question. Those are unbelievable courses. For a Muni to be able to stand up to the greatest golfers in the world and produce that leaderboard, I thought it was special. I thought it was amazing. And for someone like myself who plays that course and knows every blade of grass, it was just – I thought it was a stiff, fair True test. We had bombers. We had great iron play. We had 43-year-olds. We had 23-year-olds. We had every kind of golfer you want all in the mix. And I know people say great courses, there's separation. I think there was separation today. I do. I think that there was separation. And there were a lot of guys playing really good golf right now coming out of COVID. And I just think it was a bunch leaderboard. And it was spectacular theater on my television. Kudos to CBS. They get knocked a lot. I thought they did a brilliant job for the most part. Yeah, man, and it's crazy that we've gone like almost five minutes in here, and I still haven't even got a chance to mention how spectacular our newest major champion, Colin Morikawa, is. Because, I mean, that's the the golf course itself was such a star of the show. I mean, Colin Morikawa ultimately is what we're going to remember from this, and rightfully so. But Harding Park was so good as a tournament host. And honestly, it provided me with the perfect tournament in terms of the way guys were scoring and the challenge that it presented. Like seeing a tournament where the guys at the top of the leaderboard are there kind of basically averaging three, you know, three under par per round over four days and the champion comes in at 12, 13 under par. Like that's what I want to see. The U.S. Open is great. It's, it's fun to see these guys struggle. But like I, I do want to see these guys get out there, have to make birdies to come down the stretch. And what Morikawa did, man, and from that bunch leaderboard, I mean, and you know what? Okay, let's we we talked about Harding Park enough. Yeah, we want we to make this thing too long. So let's let's just jump into some individual players and get, kind of you know go over what we're going to remember from today's tournament. Um, Kyle, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. And I mean sincerely. Yeah. Did you expect Bryce? Excuse me, Bryce Brooks Kepka to get ejected by Harding Park on a Sunday of a major? Because I didn't. No, I, and and that's the thing is like in my in the pool that I was in with a bunch of buddies, we do a thing where uh, the guy who um, you know, organized it, shout out Ryan Irish. Uh, he he basically splits the field into ten tiers, right? And then you got to choose one player from each tier, and then they take the seven out of the ten best scores. I guess it's kind of like DraftKings style. I, I I haven't played DraftKings that much, but I know it's it's somewhat similar. And dude, I, I took Brooks in my tier one without any hesitation. I was like, because yeah. it was the same thing we were saying a couple weeks ago. We did a preview. I said the same thing with my normal co-host Jess last week. Until I see Brooks Kepka fold in a major championship, I'm just not going to bet against it. I mean, the guy has a, has a track record. And I got to tell you, man, after that shit that he was talking, after yesterday's round, like, I, I, part of me is kind of like, well, I mean, if there's anybody that can say that, I guess it's Brooks. But then to see him get absolutely worked on Sunday in a major. And, dude, that guy was dropped from the telecast before the front nine was over. Like, that was, that was brutal for Brooks Kepka. Really well, I, and, and 
one of the things I don't mean to cut you off there, but like one of the things that I loved about this was when I go out and play Harding and the rough is, I mean, again, this is way thicker than I'm even accustomed to, but when they let it grow out and it's thick, if you don't hit fairways, you can't score period. And so I love to see that that exact same rule applied nine times out of 10 for someone, even as great as Brooks Kepka. that made me feel like that's right. When Harding gets me, it's going to get you too. I mean, I loved it. Yeah, and I think it was, I, I do like how Brooks did get like a subtle win there at the very end when they interviewed uh, Paul Casey after his round. Paul Casey's like, you know, I actually really quite enjoyed playing with Brooks Kepka. You know, he's a real gentleman out there, and I, I really feel like he helped me, you know, like play what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, absolutely. You get to watch a defending champion crumble right in front of you. Your confidence has got to be soaring, my man. It's absolutely uh, wild. Oh, uh, but, and that, dude, Paul Casey, we'll, we'll get to Paul Casey in a second, but yes. I, I want to jump right back here to Colin Morikawa. Absolutely. Uh, dude, okay. Bearing the lead. Yeah, so I mean, you're talking like seven guys tied for the lead on the back nine of a major. First of all, I can't ever remember that that many guys bunched at the top of a leaderboard in a major championship. I know they mentioned something about, I think it was the 2011 Masters. They had mm-hmm. seven different guys had a share of the lead at one point in the back nine. But like this, to have them all simultaneously at 10 under at the same time. Butcher, my brain was breaking watching the television, man. I could... I, Emotionally, I couldn't comprehend how spectacular all this was. It was unbelievable for me for a variety of reasons. First off, Colin Morikawa, to me, like, I I know golf in this area. I follow Cal. I follow Stanford. I've heard of Maverick McNeely, and I've heard of Patrick Rogers way more than I had heard of Colin Morikawa even coming out of Cal. And so, to me, what he's done on the PGA Tour level has blown me away because he didn't get the same hype as some of these other guys down at Stanford that I saw from the golf programs. I I really didn't think he was going to be this good. And all this guy's done is one. And for him to go toe-to-toe, toe against Dustin Johnson, against uh, Paul Casey, against an unbelievable, I mean, let's be honest, it's a freight train. The Bryson DeChambeau freight train is coming. Whether he wins a major this year or next year, it's probably going to happen at some point. And he was giving his best effort to try to take down Harding Park. And Colin Morikawa, calm, cool, and collective, chunks that shot. I think it was on 15 or 14. On 14. And- that, that, that's where I want to start with you. Absolutely. I could, go ahead. I'd be to cut the job. No, no. It's just, that's a super hard hole to hit a fairway, number one. Number two, it's a really long, long second shot into that hole for mere mortals most players that i play with play it as a three-shot hole because it's so difficult and he not only sinks in after the chunk shot a like a a chip in birdie i could not believe the resolve from the young man i thought it was okay here we go the moment has gotten to him it's the back nine this is one of the hardest holes yeah he's probably gonna be done boy was i wrong dude the balls that he displayed to hit that chip shot and put it in to basically to skid it over the top of that little ridge while keeping enough backspin on it to keep that speed just perfect. I mean, when he, I, I, I don't know you, Joe, when he basically, you know, basically lifted and came out of that second shot after he had a great drive on 14, right? Mm-hmm. He's tied for the lead. He's got in a perfect position off the tee shot on 14. And then he comes up and just hits an unexplainable, horrific golf shot, leaves himself. That's where I looked at myself. I was like, dude, is this guy pulling a me? Is he, is he, <laughs> is he about to go full like arena? Is, like, is this guy actually thinking about sitting at the top of a leaderboard? It is just like all of a sudden about to self-destruct. I was like, oh, no, this, like, he's not, like, this is a professional. He can't be doing this. Like, I know. And then all of a sudden for him to complete 180, go from what has to be the worst shot that he's hit all day to chipping in to take a solo lead. The, the, the turnaround that happened in that 30-second span, totally agree. I, I mean, d- despite how good it was on 16, and we'll talk about that tee shot on 16, that chip in a, a, as a way to recover from that awful second shot, for me, that's when I looked, you know, thought to myself, I think this, kid's, I think this guy's going to do it, man. I, he, I, I think he's going to do it. 
you're a sports fan. I'm a sports fan. I jumped up out of my green chair. I got these two green chairs in the living room, and I jumped up. I said, Colin! Like, I screamed. Again, I don't even have an emotional attachment to the guy. I just love watching great players. And yes. I, at that point on, I was pulling for the kid. Like, And the thing is, what's funny is I was watching with a fine-tooth comb the entire day. Brooks, right off the gate, first hole, when he didn't get a birdie and everybody else was rolling in birdies, I said, uh-oh, this doesn't look good for him. Nuh-uh. On the 10th hole, when DJ went into the bunker, okay, and then he splashed out, and he was way far away, and he took a par. Everybody else was taking birdie. I said, uh-oh, here we go. I thought that was the same moment for him when he chunked that iron. I said, uh-oh, here we go. He's going to he's gonna start scrambling here. It's not going to look good. And boy, was I wrong. I mean, just the balls, the huevos to pull off that. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm just and the kid's not big in, in the era of distance, in the era of size, in the era of guys swinging out of their shoes. He's none of those things. It's, I just I it's an Colin, incredible story. Colin Morikawa's golf game is such a beautiful and polite middle finger to Bryson DeChambeau without actually intentionally like singling Bryson out. Like the the fact that he's just probably the best young ball striker since a young Tiger Woods. And the fact, you know, and then all the symmetry between 23 years old at their first PGA champion. I mean, all these comparisons in the company that Colin Marikawa is in winning a major at his age, it, it only signals great things to come. And the fact that we're now, what, an hour removed from watching this guy win his first major championship when basically the possibilities seem endless for Colin Marikawa. And honestly, Joe, I don't know about you, man. The last time I felt this excited over like a young guy winning uh, a major championship is probably got to be Spieth in 2015 winning the Masters. I mean, when was the last time you were this yeah. amped on a young gun winning a major championship and thinking the sky is the absolute limit right now? It's it's Jordan Spieth. God, I'm a huge Jordan Spieth fan. Like yeah. I just like the person. Like Same. he reminds me a lot of Steph Curry in the way that he treats people, the way that he's super humble. And I see the same exact characteristics in Colin Morikawa. What's not to like? The kid seems to be super humble, super gracious. He was there with his girlfriend right in front of the Sandy Tatum clubhouse at the end on his phone, just laughing. I mean, he's just. It's incredible. And I guess before that, it would be Rory McIlroy because Rory just hit the scene so hard. Everybody yeah. was rooting for him. Yeah. Um, but but Colin, I mean, this kid is unbelievable. The putter. And look, and let's be honest. If you've been watching golf over the last couple of months, he has been knocking on the door every single week, it seems like. And when he missed a couple of putts down the stretch and didn't win that tournament, you're saying, I don't know. Is this going to hover around this guy for a long time? You missed a couple short ones. And, you know, it just it seeps into your head. Maybe you get the yips. No, he came back and won right away. Yeah. And then he doubles down and wins a major at, in his like basically in his backyard. Anybody who knows about the Cal program, you go to Metro Golf over in Oakland, you're going to see they have a huge uh, grass driving range, and there's Cal stuff everywhere because the Cal team practices there a lot. So yeah. I just it's an incredible moment for a kid who's totally familiar with this area. The fact that he's an Asian American kid like that to me matters here in the Bay Area. That's something that's really cool. You you get this this automatic stereotype. It's a white upper elite stuffy sport nah not this kid this kid seems to be really grounded and very humble he's a great story to root for absolutely man and you know what let, let, let's not stop i mean I, I think we need to continue to just verbally blow colin morikawa because his performance today was unbelievable i mean let, let's just talk about it now that tee shot on 16 so basically wow. he makes that incredible you know the one we we're just talking about on 14 he misses his second shot you know comes and chips and it takes a one-shot lead on 14 Makes a great par on 15, even though he actually had a great chance to birdie on 15 as well. Missed mm-hmm. what looked like an 18-footer uh, by a couple inches. And then he comes out, and he just puts his unit on the table and hits what has to be maybe the gutsiest, most incredible drive on a short par four late in a major championship I have ever seen. Like, it's just it, unreal. 
Well, and the, the thing is, like, I've played that hole so many times, right? There's really no back tee. Like, there's no back tee to go because it's literally a cliff that goes down into Lake Merced. So where they're driving it from is only a tee box or so in front of wherever the whites or the blues are. Like, it's not that much farther. Most people I play with don't even come close to those bunkers, let alone get past those trees. Usually you got about 65 to 95 yards in with a wedge. Some people hit iron. Some people hit a three wood. I saw a lot of different guys going with different kinds of shots today. I think it was uh, Finau went with a three wood. He was trying to get there. But for this kid to go up there with a driver and hit one just brilliantly, got the slope, got the bounce, rolled up to seven feet for an eagle. I'd say once in a lifetime shot. When I think of shots with the driver, I think instantly of Hawaii a couple of years ago, Dustin Johnson uh, hitting that shot all the way on a par five. You know what I mean? That rolled, yep. you know, that all the way to the hole. 460 yard driver that he yeah. hit or some crazy Whatever thing like that. Whatever the heck that, that was. Yeah. This was so much better. This was Sunday. Three holes to go on the back nine of a major, and you're literally it's it's you and a couple of guys. I mean, I, I just I, my mind was literally blown. And then he steps up there, Kyle, and he sinks the eagle putt. How many guys missed that putt? He uh, hits shots back to back. Dude, and that, that's the thing is like getting back to what I was thinking on 14. He hits that bad shot. I'm like, oh my gosh, is this guy actually thinking about the moment that he's in right now? This is the worst thing could possibly happen. Makes it, takes the one shot lead. Knows that a one-shot lead is probably not going to get it done. And is like, you know what? I love the fact that Kamal Rakawa stepped up on 16 and basically did the exact opposite of what Brooks Kepka did on 7, where he took out the long iron to try to play it safe and then pulls in the rough anyway. Like, I mean, that might have been, I mean, if the nail wasn't in the coffin for Brooks Kepka at that point, that's what pretty much sealed it. And for Kamal Rakawa to just get to 16 with the one-shot lead and instead of saying, you know what? Let's hold this. Let's try to make a birdie here in the battle three and see what our chances are. No, no, no. Guy... Puts his foot on the gas pedal and absolutely goes zero to sixty in one second flat, seven feet eagle putt made, thirteen under par. That's it. Like it, yeah. it was such a master class in like course management and execution. Like call Marikawa, <laughs> go get some. Well, and it's not like he was like flushing the driver right down the middle the entire round. I think he went right on either four or five, and then on six he went way left. And he, you, they heard the audio pick it up. He goes, "Oh man, I pushed one right now. I tug one left." And he was sitting under the tree. He punched out, and I'm thinking, "Oh, this thing's gonna snowball on this kid." The moment, I mean, this is just too much. And that's the one thing. There were two gettable par fours for the pros, and there was so much variety amongst all the different styles and all the. And for this kid who doesn't hit it the farthest he actually has an advantage on that par for 16th hole because he can hit driver and he's pretty accurate with the driver totally. How, you know and i i think that that was a weird that was a weird moment where maybe him not having that extra distance actually helped him out i know that sounds weird no it's but not i think he was in a better spot hitting the driver into that green than trying to hit a three wood or an iron like some of the other guys were doing i i could not agree more and when you saw tony finau and bryson dechambeau get to 16 and you see that they're both taking out three when you're like well i guess they could probably get there with a three wood like i, I think they probably get bryson turned out that he was able to do it but like that thing is like tony finau what, what's he gonna do choke up on a driver and take like he already only exactly. takes like a 60 percent, 70 percent swing anyway what's he gonna do choke up on a driver and take a 40 percent? like no like the fact that colmore cow was just like you know what this is my distance this is this is my shot like this is perfect this sets up perfect i don't give it f like i'm hitting the driver i'm going for it put the foot on the gas pedal and, like, it was just incredible to watch, man. 
one, the, the risk. Think about the risk. You're sitting there on that tee box, okay? You're feeling the breeze coming off of Lake Merced. The fog's still rolling in. To your left is not only Lake Merced, but red lateral stakes the entire way down. So if you tug one left, yeah, you're taking a drop, you know what I'm saying? And, and you're screwed, all right? You're absolutely screwed. You push one right, you have giant cypress trees and tons of rough. You cannot hit a flop shot from those, those lies over those trees. You're punching out. I'm sorry, you're punching out. There is no shot there. You're blocked off. The balls to stand there, like I said, with all of these things going on. Trouble left, trouble right, and you smoke it down the middle, get the perfect bounce. It rolls up right onto the green. I mean, it was literally a Disney movie. It was incredible. And, and the fact that he makes that eagle putt is incredible. And then he comes up and gives himself very makeable birdie putts on 17, 18. Doesn't make either one of them, but mm -hmm. turns out it doesn't even matter. Like, the guy was just in such control. I mean, for a 23-year-old guy to be in that kind of control, both physically with his game and mentally mm -hmm. to have the wherewithal to play the way that he did down the stretch, that was that was Hall of Fame stuff, Joe. Like, it was incredible. Again, it, it, it harkens back to Jordan Spieth in 15 and a young Tiger Woods, you know, in the late, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, that's, that's the kind of stuff I felt like we were watching today. Well, and then think about the 18T shot, okay? You're up two strokes. But if you tug one left, okay, you're in the water. You tug one way Phil did to it the today. right. Phil, Phil lost one on 18 today. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You push one right, you're either in the way thick stuff or you're in a bunker. And then your second shot to that approach, that thing's creviced up on a hill. But if you smoke it past there, yeah, there's a lot of rough. You tug way left and hit a hook shot, you're back in the water. Again, it's the, all of these little things. You have a championship on the line. You have a major. And, and it's staring you in the face. I'd be sweating. I would have tugged one. I would have chunked one. And this guy, not only hit – he, I thought he hit a bad shot by his, by his reaction on that approach shot on to 18 and it ends up being pin high slightly to the right i mean it's just i, I cannot get over the, the way this guy conducted himself on those final five holes because i could not imagine staying so composed staying so poised the moxie at 23 years old to have that and, and i heard brandel shamley bring this up maybe i know it was a major and i know there was an electricity in the air but the fact that there weren't fans there maybe some of these younger guys that are accustomed to college and junior golf with no fans maybe there was some weird advantage that he might have had but you still got to go out and hit shots and the kid did that 100 percent, man and, and that, I, I think it's a great point and we saw a lot of guys that were you know recent collegiate golfers play very well i mean the one guy that I absolutely want to talk about, in addition to Colin Morikawa, that may not be getting that much press, considering he ended up a couple slots down on the leaderboard, was Matt Wolf. Oh, my God. Dude. And, and I'm going to say this right now, Joe. I, I don't know. I, I have not been on Twitter. I've tried not to look at anything before we did our podcast today because I wanted yeah. to just come up and, and share what I, you know what I was thinking with you yeah, yeah. before I got a chance to get influenced by anybody else. Matthew Wolf should have been in a playoff with Colin Morikawa today. Th that guy, he missed Three putts inside, what, eight feet on the back yes. nine? Dude, it, that guy was about to birdie 12-13. The hardest strike. Mercer yep. and Mile was about to bend <laughs> the knee to Matt Wolf, and he just flubs two of them, then misses like a four-foot par putt. Mm -hmm. If he just makes those, which I think he would be the first one to tell you, those are putts he should make. He's 13 under par coming in if all stills the same, and all of a sudden you have Matt Wolf, Colin Morikawa in a playoff, and the young, young golf fans, their minds are going to explode, Joe. I mean, it did. Morikawa shot, a, I believe, a 65 today, okay? Uh, uh, yeah, 64, I think. Oh, 64. Yeah, 64. 64. And then, and then what, what did Wolf finish with, a 65, 66? 66. I mean, they're 21 and 23 years old, all right? Unreal. On a Sunday, 
for a major, it's unbelievable. And and it's not like they've played in two or three majors. I believe it was both of their first ever major, if I'm not mistaken, because they did not qualify last year. Uh, I, I could be wrong on that, but I think it was I, I think Colin Marikawa played in last year's U.S. Open either as an amateur or it was his first one because he got an exemption into it as an amateur. Go. But, yeah, I mean, again, it, uh, the point is this is their first, if not Come first, on. their second major championship. I mean, they're, they're fresh, dude. And one and, and their styles could not be more different. You're talking about one guy in Matthew Wolf who's just bomb and gouge. He's got great touch. There's no question about it. But For sure. The bomb and gouge is unbelievably, unbelievably. It's so like the way the swing is, the herky jerky, the open, the Furyk style upright. It's 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 tantalizing. And then the guy's got the hippie shoes on. So you know me and San Francisco. Absolutely. I was loving every second of it. Yes. But then Colin Morikawa is a complete contrast where everything is very methodical and very smooth, and I'm not going to overswing. I'm not about hitting the farthest drives. I just, again, I go back to the course as being one of the big stars of the week because the variety of styles that were allowed to compete on the back nine of this major to me said this was a round, like a rousing success. Absolutely, could could not agree more. I mean, what's? <laughs> I mean, that's just like Colin Morikawa is a perfect thing. Colin Morikawa, Matt Wolf, opposite ends of the spectrum. But then you also had multiple other guys that represented that same thing near the top of the leaderboard. You have Dustin Johnson, who's been kind of the bomb and gouge guy of the last decade. And then, excuse me, was 43-year-old Paul Casey not an absolute savage all afternoon? That was an incredible, incredible display of golf by Paul Casey. I I honestly thought there was a a point in the back nine there, Joe, where I was like, is Paul Casey going to actually... Win this thing by multiple shots. Like he looked like he could not miss until he made that bogey. Was that on fifteen? Yeah, I think 15? it was fifteen. Fifteen or something. Like that. Or sixteen. Yeah, not Dude, sixteen. It was fifteen or fourteen. With the exception of that bogey on the back nine, Paul Casey played well enough to win a major championship today. Colin Morikawa just, again, it just just thrilled everybody with exceptional play. That is, as Paul Casey said, you just kind of got to tip your cap to because, like, when someone plays that good and executes those kinds of golf shots on the back nine on Sunday of a major championship. Let, let the man take his trophy. In my mind, I kept trying to process, is this his Sergio Garcia moment where he would have as an older player that first and maybe last and only major championship opportunity? And who – like, again, unlike Sergio who you talk to ten people, eight or nine of them hate him and maybe one of them loves him. But, like, most people find him very polarizing. Everybody kind of likes Paul Casey. He's one of the good guys. He, he's kind of like your uncle or maybe sure. you want your wife to marry uh, – your daughter to marry him or something like that. Like, you really like Paul Casey. So I, I – I was definitely rooting for him. And then I was even rooting for Scotty Scheffler, to be honest with you. I mean, he comes out of nowhere, and the guy looks so poised and had so much moxie early on, and he kind of started to lose some traction on that back nine. And you could feel it kind of deflate, but then he bounces back. I'm thinking maybe he's in the mix. And there was a lot of random guys that I didn't think had the moxie to play well on a back nine, and yet they all kind of were right there. Yeah, and and that's the, thing, that's the one thing I, I definitely want to take away from this championship, Joe, is like, we we were talking about seven guys tied at the top of the leaderboard. The thing was, I, I had probably ten different buddies that were trying to text me throughout the back nine. I, I was trying to you know return text messages, but also was like, I'm just trying to watch this. Right, like the thing about that leaderboard is, I liked everybody at the top of the leaderboard. It, like like you said, like some people you yeah, have their thoughts on Sergio. I'm personally not a huge Sergio fan. I don't hate the guy, but yeah. you know, and you know, in the 2017 Masters, I was definitely rooting for Justin Rose. I, like, you know, like, yeah, I was I, pulling for him. Yeah, so I was actually pulling for for Sergio. Which, but again, most of my family was rooting against him right. hard. Right, and, and that's the thing. It's like looking at the top of the leaderboard. So when it's all said and done, the leaderboard's going to break down like this: Joe, Colin Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Paul Casey, Scott, Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, Jason Day, Matt Wolf, Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Rose. Xander Shoffley, 
like that. I that's in, that that leaderboard is insane. The only guy that I have any kind of a beef with is in terms of a fan that I'm someone I'm not actively rooting for. It might be Bryson, but at the same time, like Bryson's also the one guy I want to watch more than anybody else. It's like people kept asking me, who, who, "Who are you rooting for?" I was like, honestly. I'm rooting for every one of these guys. I feel like this is a can't-lose situation as a golf fan because there's so many likable guys that are absolutely deserving of a win here that, like, whatever the outcome is, I'm going to be really juiced. And somehow, despite that luxury, despite being spoiled with all these incredible guys at the top of the leaderboard, I I feel like we actually somehow got the best outcome possible. It was so good. I, I feel so lucky as a golf fan to be able to sit down and watch these guys play Harding Park the last four days. There's no doubt about it. Look, Tiger wasn't really in the mix. Brooks getting ejected? I thought that was going to be bad for the legacy of Harding Park. I really did. I thought, hey, we're going to see some history with Brooks Kepka here. And I was very worried. I'm going to be honest with you. Very worried that if Bryson won this, A, it would make Harding Park into a joke, and B, they wouldn't be talking about Harding or just the setup or anything. It would have been all about Bryson and distance, and C, it's all about distance. And I just think that we would have been going down a slippery slope when it comes to the narratives and things like that, and we would have gotten away from what exactly happened, which was the drama and the theater of the back nine itself. Having Colin Morikawa win, A, it gives them a young budding superstar who's not one again i bring this up he doesn't look like your normal golfer and i think that's a big thing like i really do the fact that he's not a white guy is a huge deal to me because i work with a bunch of casual golf fans in sports radio and they're like it's an elite white rich sport i'm like no no look at this leaderboard look who's on there i mean it's incredible you had everybody on there it was awesome xander is somebody i absolutely put my arms around tony finau i love that guy like there's personality there's guys you don't like bryson was one of those dudes I villain to root against. I was rooting against Bryson DeChambeau on the back because, again, I didn't want to hear the narratives of, oh, the template is bomb and gouge. The fact that Iron Player won and the fact that it was his first championship at 23 years old, I think this is history in the sense that it's the first of his little run that he's going to go on. And I think it's going to be awesome for his legacy and just municipal major championship golf in general. Yeah, could, could not agree. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thumbs up on all fronts, Joe. Like, I could not agree more. Colin Marikawa, like, what an absolutely exciting young player. What just what a weekend and just what a moment in the young man's life. To, that He's going to be looking back on this, and he's going to be even more jazzed than we are. And look at me. I can't even contain my excitement. I've been screaming at you and through a microphone from <laughs> to 150 miles away, Joe. And I, like, can you even imagine how the Morikawa family feels? Um, all right, man, but before we put a wrap on this, yeah. like, I just want to hit a couple guys here real quick just to get some of your yeah, thoughts. Yeah, give it to me. We, Sorry, I'm all over the no, place. No, 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 I, I am too, man. Like I say, I, I can't contain my excitement, Joe. Um, what what'd you think of DJ out there today? You know, DJ, it's so sad. The guy's got so much talent. Honestly, I was hoping that he would win because I like him, and it would be a great legacy a moment for this man to, to cement himself as one of the greats. To have only one championship, a major championship, feels criminal for how good and how talented this guy has been for so long. Like, And I know people are going to say he doesn't have the clutch gene. He doesn't have this, he doesn't have that. Dude, I just think that he, he got out of position a couple of times on some unfortunate spots, and the way the course was set up, if you got out of position even a little, you're screwed. There were birdie holes out there, but you had to be in the exact right spot. And then he didn't capitalize when he was in the right spot. So, like, I, I don't I don't think it's a huge indictment on Dustin Johnson. I'm, I'm sad for him because 
Dude, he came out of nowhere on Saturday, and I was so pumped for him. And I wanted to see him and Brooks go one-on-one. I thought it would be a battle of the titans. You know what I mean? I thought yeah. we were going to get that. The fact we didn't, I don't think it's a knock on him. I think it's a, a boost to someone like Colin Morikawa to stave off a legend like Dustin Johnson. Yeah. I mean, DJ, I, I again, it, it's like that same point I was talking about a couple minutes ago, man. It's like I, I liked everybody on the leaderboard. If DJ had won today, I would be really oh. pumped. It, it would have been a great win for him. Exactly. It would have been well-deserved. Um, but I mean, that's the thing. Colin Morikawa played his ass off. I mean, what, what, yep. what, what are you going to do? I mean, that's the thing. He came into a lead, shot a 68 on Sunday and it just wasn't good enough. Like could, yes. Should he have made a birdie or better on 10 when he pulled that thing, his second shot of the bunker on 10 and he couldn't make that up and down for birdie. Ugh. You kind of knew like, Oh man, he's that's, that's gotta be well, the last error of the day. If, if he's going to win this thing. And unfortunately Colin Morikawa was too good. Well, and, and like to your point, like early in the round, he's on the third hole. It's an uphill, like 160, 170 yard par three. But I never see that pin on the front right hand side. So to me, you have to be short. You cannot go long on that hole. I've played that hole a zillion times. If it's back, you can go long. It's okay. You can have an easy chip. If you go long on that front pin, you're done. And he like was one and a half clubs too far. And I'm thinking, DJ, what are you doing? And somebody's like, well, he's trying to hit a cut fade and he just pulled it. And I'm like, you can't you you just cannot miss long on that hole like that is not a hole that you can bogey if you want to win a major championship you cannot bogey that par three it's not the hardest but it's also not the easiest you just got to walk away with at least a par there i was just it was i was frustrated for dj to be honest with you because he yeah. did have he had some calmness to him i thought his putting stroke was awesome he saved himself a couple of times on par putts but he just couldn't put it together on the back yeah I know it, it was tough, man. Um, and then the other guy that finished in the top five, we've we, we've pretty much at least somewhat hit every guy in the top five. We talked Morikawa, DJ, Paul Casey, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, we, we mentioned Tony Finau a little bit. I mean, did you have any thoughts on the way? At, at any point during the back nine today, even when he was part of that group of at seven guys at ten under, and, and this is kind of mean to say because I, I actually thought to myself, maybe did you ever think Tony Finau had a chance to win this tournament today? You know, I didn't for some reason. Like, okay. I love Tony Finau, too. I'm rooting for him. I just felt like he was a couple of shots away all day. Like, I never felt like he was truly all up in the mix. I, I thought DJ was right there. I thought Scotty Scheffler at times was right there. But I never thought that he was, Tony Finau. Something with playing with Br uh, Bryson, I don't know what happened to him today. I think the two of them were in each other's heads at times. You know, Bryson hits a drive on nine, and then Finau has to go like a foot in front of him, and Bryson's like, that yeah, was That I, I was just... such a flex, by the way. That was incredible, yeah. Tony Finau. <laughs> I, but, like, you can tell Bryson's like, I, I, I just missed that one. Like, again, the whole thing between the two of them was just ridiculous. It reminded me of my brother. Like, that's what it reminded me of. Total, like, penis flexing at the <laughs> entire time. It was just unbelievable. But, like, honestly, Finau, I love the guy, but he's always seems to be, like, in the mix, but never truly the contender that we want him to be. And I, I don't know what it is. It's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, man. I mean, that's the thing. He played great golf today. He played great golf this week. Uh, it, it's a shame it wasn't enough. I mean, 66 on Sunday in a major. I mean, uh, I mean that, 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 again, in a lot of situations, that's good enough to win. It's just that Kolomorikawa was just a little bit better, and that's, that, that's just the way it breaks. Um, so... I was saying a little bit earlier, Joe, that buddies were texting me asking, all right, who are you pulling for? And I was like, I, honestly, I don't really care. All these guys are great. Deep down, the one guy that I responded to, I said, if I'm being honest with you, the two guys that I think I'd like to see win most is Colin Morikawa and then the one other guy that finished in the top five that we haven't discussed yet. And this is where we'll put mm -hmm. on a wrap on it, Joe. I got to admit, I was really thinking and hoping that Jason Day was going to do this thing. Like, what? <laughs> like, that guy was amazing today. 
At when he mm-hmm. <laughs> when he barely missed that eagle putt on ten, you could clear. You could see he's so frustrated because he knows that that's huge. Him making a three on ten yep. gives him everything he gives him all the juice he needs to get going on that back nine. Comes back, makes the birdie, but then comes back and makes a bomb for birdie on eleven. And you're like, okay, let's go. Makes incredible saves on twelve and thirteen. Was it? If he comes back and birdies. I mean, Jason Day was stones. Today and I know you know looking at the leaderboard, he obviously finished at ten under three off the lead. But Jason Day for a while, I, I thought had actually a chance to come out of nowhere and win a second PGA Championship, and I, I was thrilled to see his performance this weekend. I'm just happy the guy's healthy because he's yeah. a great player, and I just I, I actually really like him. I know a lot of people think he's super quirky and over the top and weird, and I've heard a lot of different pods rip him from time to time. I think he's great for the game of golf. I think Same. he's really thoughtful. I think he's kind of kind of funny you know like sometimes he takes himself real seriously other times he has a great smile and he's laughing about things but the way he hit the ball today i mean the guy was unbelievable yeah. and he was super resilient and there were times through 14 15 16 i'm saying uh-oh this is jason day's tournament i think he's gonna if he can get in there with like 11 maybe 12 could, could he could he walk away with this thing he just couldn't put it together all at once i also think if he just comes in a little better on saturday or on friday one stroke here or there i think he wouldn't have had to rely so much on Sunday. It was just so hard the way the setup was coming down that stretch. Getting a birdie on 17, 18, that was a tall task on Sunday. I mean, yeah. a really tall task. I know that Wolf uh, birdied 18, um, but you're asking about you're asking a lot of guys to, to try to stick it into that pin and then hit a putt there on that back left. That's incredible. I mean, Jason Day – Great story. I mean, honestly, it would have been a great story, and I'm just happy that the guy's healthy. Yeah. I mean, question. How often, when you're out playing Harding Park, how often do you see that tricky little tucked left pin on 18? So you'll see it from time to time. Okay. But let me tell you, most people have a hybrid into that into that green. Most people have a super long iron. I'm watching Cameron Champ, and he's hitting a 102-yard, like, I don't know, gap wedge, sand wedge. I don't even know what. It was like sawed off. He barely swung. And I'm saying to myself, dude, I've played that hole a zillion times. Maybe I'll have 140 in, 145 in. If I hit it good, it gets a little bounce and some roll. These guys all had like 100, 110, and I'm just like – Dude, I'm not even used to it. But again, that's how their ball can stop. And mine bounces like it's hitting the sidewalk and then goes up and into the rough. And then you have that downhill greenside chip. It's just they play a different game than us, Kyle. And when I say it is we're talking like dunking from the free throw line and us playing like third grade basketball. Like yes. That's how wide the gap is when we're talking about talent. I was blown away at how far that Bryson went on the fourth hole, the par five. He went driver four iron from 260 and hit it to like i don't know 10 feet or whatever it was driver four iron i've never seen anybody get there even close into it's a three-shot hole for everybody i play with yeah i i'm i'm gonna be pretty i'm gonna have to text you tomorrow i'm I'm gonna see what happens because i you know not i don't want to take the attention away from what happened here but i did get a uh i did secure basically a uh a spot in the Play Like the Pros event tomorrow, where we're going to go out and we're going to play the course in Sunday conditions with the Sunday pins. You. And I'm going to see if I can break 100 tomorrow. And I guarantee you, bro, on number four tomorrow, if I get lucky, we're going driver, hybrid, seven iron. At best. At best. Like, yes. And you better hit that fairway. Yeah, exactly. You better hit that fairway to start off that Best case scenario, it's driver, hybrid, seven iron. Like, it's uh, like what those guys like. Again, when I get out there and just get my ass absolutely worked tomorrow. The appreciation for what these guys did this weekend, I feel, is only going to quintuple. Like, it's going to be wild. 
It really is. And one of the things that I loved about the course was that it kind of dried out as days were going on. And those greens, look, if you got it nice and close, you can spin it back. But a lot of guys were bouncing and rolling out. And that's what I'm accustomed to. So I love to see the way that the greens were playing. I thought they had it set up. Look, to challenge those guys, you got to trick it up. And they did a fantastic – I mean, this was – we're talking 64 Impala, Snoop Dogg, sitting on Dayton's, doing all the hydraulics. That's what they did to Harding Park. And you know what? It worked. I couldn't agree more. And that's the thing. It's like – they, and they they managed to trick it out without making the golf course seem silly. You know, like sometimes yes. people think of like the 2013 U.S. Open at Marion, where they just had to do so much tricked out stuff, make those fairways like ten paces wide, like had to do so much stuff to make it so over the top, like quirky and hard that it almost seemed kind of weird. You did not get that feeling at Harding Park this weekend. You, it, it felt like the golf course was still playing the way it was supposed to play. The intensity and the difficulty was just ramped up to eleven for the best players in the world. Did you – I don't know what you thought watching it on television. Did it present well as far as – because I know you've been there a zillion times. But, like, if you're someone who hasn't been there, do you think it presented well on television to them? So, I again, maybe I'm a little bit like you, Joe, where I'm a little biased. Like, I thought it looked great on TV. I just think, you know, basically San Francisco golf in general on TV with the cypress trees, you know, the rolling topography like, you know, like, like they have. It's just – it looks awesome. I did get a text from – uh, a really good golf buddy of mine who's been on this podcast a couple times, shout out Andy, uh, who was like, you know, man, like I, I want to love this golf course on TV, but I just don't know. Like I, I, I think I might like watching Tory more. And I was like, honestly, man, like I get it's got the ocean, but I'm telling you right now, as a golf fan, this is such a better golf course than Tory. At least, at least for the purposes of a major championship, and not yeah. to say that Tory stinks because it doesn't. Tory's a great, you know, again. You got to respect and love all the munis that are that are baller enough to get the the biggest and best players in the world to come play events on them. But like as a golf course and as the route and just the way Harding Park finishes with that back nine Merced mile with those last five holes, you know, banked right up against like mm-hmm. Lake Merced. Like it's just it's theater. Man. It, it it provides the most perfect stage for just it, it's an amazing place to watch championship golf. That Tory doesn't have Tory's got the ocean. I get it. Although yeah. I mean. I think people sometimes maybe forget that the what the seventeenth green is seven hundred yards from the Pacific Ocean. And Hardy Park, it's, it's not like it's that far away. Like, exactly, like, exactly. Well, but you know what? Like the one of my big fears, and I'm being honest here. Like what happened in Chambers Bay? Like it was a negative for what they did to that course. Like I walked away after that U.S. Open. Not like I'm some golf architect nerd, but like I'm I'm cognizant of these things, and I walked away saying, "Oh man, everyone's just dumping on Chambers Bay." I thought it looked cool, right? I mean, that's just me, someone who's same. never played it. Never saw it on television. I thought it looked cool. It was totally unique, totally different, but I understand the criticisms. I was beaming with pride over Harding Park being put on television. Like I my chest was going through my my heart, man. It was unbelievable to see the way it was presented, the way it weaved in and out of not just Lake Merced, but the ocean, the way you had San Francisco State and all the housing in the background, the way you had the Olympic Club crested right up on the hill, the way they had Lake Merced posted up there. I, I as a native San Franciscan who that is my home course. I'm looking out my window, I can see the fog, I can look down the street. That's where Harding Park is, literally four blocks from me i was so proud of san francisco and harding park i just i hope that everyone around the country has that same appreciation the way the cypress trees look with the fog coming in that was frisco golf today kyle i'm telling you cold blustery you take your 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 sweatshirt off on one hole you throw it back on on another like that's san francisco and i loved it we got all the elements this week at harding park and i just hope the rest of america realizes for a muni 
you know, if it's not Tory Pines, that's fine. Just be good. Just be good and be in the mix and don't dump on us, okay? It's our dump. It's our Harding Park. I was proud of it. And I just hope that the rest of the country doesn't crap on it tomorrow. That's all. No, and you know what, man? I, I think the likelihood of people, you know, taking a dump on Harding Park as a golf course after this tournament, the likelihood of that happening is low because not only did it look great, it, it provided us with a spectacular venue for what turned out to be a really entertaining and wonderful. And I think it's not the first time. We're, this is now this is now a trend. But yes. I mean, that's, that's the thing. This is now a trend. Every single time the pros have gone out to play Harding Park, the tournament has yielded an incredible winner and a wonderful, wonderful golf tournament that was exciting all the way down the stretch. And you know what? People are going to remember that. And honestly, I thought TPC, I thought Harding Park looked incredible on TV. Honestly, even having played Harding Park a dozen times over over the like last you know ten years, and admittedly, it not being my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, I was watching this championship and getting so just turned on, you know, golf golf wise yes. by the golf yes. course and these guys. But I was like, "Give me to Harding Park now! I need to go yes. out there now!" I, I just like it was getting me excited to get back out to that golf course, which. Uh, is is a testament to how good it was. All right, Joe, I, I asked you for fifteen minutes. You give oh, me forty. You give me forty plus minutes. Sorry. The, the, the last thing. Okay, the last couple of things. I'll, I'll leave you with your brother before we put a wrap on this one. Um, I I did like how the people on the CBS broadcast were trying to emphasize how San Franciscan the weather was coming down the stretch in terms. Of it's getting colder. The wind's yes. picking up a little bit. They did try to emphasize, and I wonder. How much do you think that played a role in the guys scoring down the stretch and the like that Dustin Johnson, Scotty Shepard, and some of those guys weren't able to make as many birdies down the stretch as they needed to um to to, to pull close with Colin Morikawa? Do you think the weather and how cold it was and how biting that weather can be played a big role in how this tournament ended up uh, ended up shaking out? I absolutely do, especially for the South Carolina, Florida type guys like Dustin Johnson. I know he plays well at Pebble, but look, there's just the course is different. The grass is different. Those greens are different. The the vibe is different. The feel. When that fog is coming in, I don't know about you. I love that. To me, that's real golf. Like, I play with my uncles from Sacramento, and he's like, I hate playing in the fog. I got to play in 85-degree weather. I want to see my ball fly. And I'm saying to myself, no, like, I love the cold. I love a little bit of wind. Like, that's when I can hit a good shot. And I don't know. There's just something about being able to shape the ball through the fog with a little bit of wind in there. Like, you really – there's no stock 9-iron. There's no stock 7-iron, for example. And there's so many little things. You weren't getting a lot of rollout on your drives. You know what? That's what I'm not getting. I'm not getting no rollout when I play Harding Park. If anything, I think the course was really dry. It usually probably plays a lot more moist for the regulars because we play first thing in the morning. They've been, you know, watering the hell out of that bad boy. But I love the way the course changed throughout the day. And that, to me, was more about San Francisco golf than any. The way it started off nice and cold and dewy and dense. And then as the day went on, you get that wind and those greens start to get a little prickly and things get a little more dry. It was just real difficult. I personally thought it was a great representation of San Francisco Bay Area golf, especially on the peninsula side where you don't get that heat. Yeah, for sure, man. And now... Uh, last thing I'll, I'll ask you about Joe before we uh, you know before we put a wrap on this guy. Did you get a chance to go and check out the scene down on Lake Merced Boulevard during this you know, during the tournament? I did. I drove by a couple of times okay. and then parked the car. 
everybody was ripping the green netting that they put up over the fences so they could look through. And they weren't even golf fans. It was so funny and so weird. And I'm super, super, super jealous that Steph Curry got somehow in the ropes, even though he's going to have, a, I guess, some sort of a PGA Harding Park event at some point down the line. How did he get a media credential or whatever? And I didn't. Like that, I am so jealous. I want to jump the fence and I wanted to go in there. I mean, my goodness. Like, that's the only negative. Honest to God, I mean this. And everybody from my dad, my grandfather, my brother, all of my boys, the only negative. We all said this was a 99% win. The only negative is the 1% that we all wanted to be out there. But other than that, I could not have asked for a better representation from my home course, owned by the city, run by the TPC program. I mean, it's unreal. The, the fact that they talked about the first tee and the youth on course all week. I mean, that was awesome. Oh, Damn it, that was a good golf tournament, Joe. I mean, really Jesus, was. that was so awesome, man. All right, with that, we're, I, we need to go. I need to go process. I, I think I might need to have a, a few more cocktails to help calm myself down here, Joe. Um, what, what we're going to put a wrap on this right now. Where can all these sports fan, fans out here find? Are you going to be talking? Are you going to be back uh, talking Barry yeah. Sports this week? Yeah, I'm going to be on 95.7 The Game. We're doing the night show this week, and then I'm going away for a little vacation. I'll be Beautiful. up north. I'll be at Bodega. I'll be at the Russian River. I'm going to go to Northwood, and then I'm going to go to Sea Ranch. It's our 10-year anniversary, the wife Beautiful. and I. So Congratulations. So I'm going up there for a couple of weeks, and uh, I'm going to try to hightail it out of there first thing in the morning and go play some golf. That, 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 that's the way that any you know any good anniversary celebration should be uh, should be taken care of. What, what, what? Well done. All right, perfect. Well, uh, Joe, so 95.7 or 95.7, the game is where you can find Joe yes. weeknights on the Butcher Shop. Um, and, and anywhere else people can find you, Joe, if they're looking for your takes? Oh, yeah, I have the ButcherBoy415 on Twitter, ButcherBoy415 on Instagram, and you can make fun of my pictures and all those things. And, hey, Kyle, thanks for having me on, man. You know I love golf, and we, we don't get an opportunity to talk it, and I'm just so glad I got it out of my system. I, 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 Joe, I'm so pumped, man, that you were – I mean, when I shot you a text message just out of nowhere being like, is there a chance we can get this going? I'm too juiced. I have to talk golf, and I immediately get the let's effing go. I was like, yes, this is my guy. We're, we're, we're ready to do it. So on that note, uh, Joe – Amazing doing, stuff, buddy? man. I, I'm glad you enjoyed the weekend. I know I certainly did. And uh, have a great week here talking sports. I mean, Giants are giving us a lot to talk about, as is uh-huh. everybody else. Here. We won't get into it. This is too joyous of a day. But, uh, yeah. Niners. Man, Niners. Yeah, exactly. 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 The 49ers. Uh, whoo! Oh, it's, exci- it's exciting times in the sports world right now, especially Barry tomorrow. Sports. Hit them straight tomorrow, all right, my friend? Yes, we will do, man. I'll, I'll, I'll report back to you with the, car- the carnage that, uh, okay. that takes place out at Hardy Park. So until then, Joe, much appreciated, man. Great seeing you. And we'll talk to you soon, brother. Thanks, bro. All right. Later, man. Yes, yes. Another huge, huge thank you to Joe uh, for jumping on on short notice for uh, tonight's podcast. That uh, Both of us, as you could tell from the last 40 minutes, we're having a really difficult time containing our excitement with uh, just how awesome that golf tournament was. So uh, once again, today's podcast was brought to you by the Sea Winds Estate. Visit SeaWindsEstate.com, like I said at the top, to check out uh, the most glorious and palatial uh, vacation rental available on the Oregon coast, you know, 60 acres all to yourself, 7,000 square feet of just premium oceanside lodging for you and all of your friends. The next time you're going up to either Bannon Dunes or anywhere, you know, anywhere up on the Oregon coast, if you're listening to this show, chances are you're hoping it's probably going to be a golf trip. So why not make the Sea Winds Estate the, uh, the, the operation center, if you will, uh, for the next awesome trip that you make up to the Oregon coast. And also don't forget that today's podcast was also proudly presented to you by golfguide.net. It's a website that not only has information on every single golf course on the West coast, but it also uh, allows you to save some serious ducats 
uh, on a few dozen golf courses around Northern California, Tahoe, Reno, all, all that kind of good stuff. So if you like playing golf and you like doing it at, uh, you know, less money, um, golfguide.net is a, is a seriously chill place for you to go and check out. All right. With that, everybody, thank you so much. What an awesome tournament. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, until next time, adios. Adios.